As we um, start this series uh, this uh, month of January, let me ask you a question. I want to do, I thought we might have a little bit of a smaller group this morning, and it's a little bigger than first service, but still a little smaller than usual. So I want to have some interaction. Uh, will you guys talk back to me a little bit, a couple times? Will you guys participate a little bit in the service uh, with me? So we'll have a little bit of that. Let me start with this question. What is better doing together? What is it better to do together with someone rather than alone? Oh, wow. There's the whole message. All right. That's it. <laughs> Eating dinner. Eating dinner. All right. We're going to get there. That's good. We are getting there. What else? What's, good? What's better studying? What's better doing together? What was that? I thought I heard someone else. Playing tennis. Yes. Better together. What else? Watching a game. Watching a game. Oh, I might argue with you there. But <laughs> depends on the game and who I'm watching with. But yes, I think so. That can be. What else? What's better doing together? Praying together. That's next week's message. Come back next week. We'll get to that one. What is better doing together? Chores are better doing together. There we go. Everyone said amen, right? All the parents said amen to that. There are some things that are better doing together. Um, I just, I recently started walking with a friend of mine. And he wants to run, but I'm not running, so we're walking. Uh, and I found out walking is better to do together. It's more fun walking with someone. Um, you get to talk, it goes by faster, and there's a little bit of accountability, too, when he texts you, right? He's like, are we walking today? And, like, what are you going to say? Like, I'm not walking, like, I don't walk. It's hard to, gives a little accountability. Um, but it's better to do together. I like doing that together. Some of you exercise, work out. Maybe it's better working out together uh, with someone. I think one of the things we've learned in the past year, or the past two years now we're going on, is there are things that are better together. Um, we had to, you know, our lives were impacted. There were things we ended up doing, you know, not with people that we usually like doing with people. COVID, you know, impacted things. We found out, you know, video calls are fine. They're better than nothing, but they're not the same as being together. Uh, being in church, a sermon online is fine. It's, it's better than nothing, but it's not the same as being in church together and sitting with each other. There are some things that are just better together. Uh, and I would say that's true of our walk with the Lord in general and our walk with God. You know, we talk often about a personal relationship with Jesus, and that's important, and a personal relationship with God. Like, that's huge. Like, we definitely believe in that. We want you to hear that. We want you to know that you can have a relationship with God yourself. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through a saint. You don't have to go through the church. Like, you can talk to God. You can pray. You can have a relationship with your Creator through Jesus Christ. We want you to know that. I hope you hear that. Uh, please, uh, you know, if you hear nothing else, hear that, that God wants a relationship with you and you can have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, that you can talk with him and know him and know his word and he talks to you. But as with a lot of things, sometimes we swing the pendulum so far to one side to correct something that uh, we lose parts of what we had on the other side. And I think sometimes when we focus so much on a personal relationship with God, 
that we lose out on understanding that there are benefits to the corporate body of Christ and to walking together following God. Uh, And sometimes we can make our relationship with Jesus so much about it's just me and Jesus that I lose out or we lose out on being a part of a church and other people who are following Jesus also and doing that together. So we want to talk about that because, you know, I think it's important that you walk with someone and you walk with people who are walking with Jesus. You, You ought to have a lot of friends in your life. I hope you have some friends that don't know Jesus, but you ought to have some friends At least, uh, you know, a couple who are also walking with Jesus. You ought to walk with people who are walking with Jesus. Because when you do that, when you have people in your life that are walking in the same direction, that are traveling the same path, that means you've got someone who can call you out on some things, who can correct you on some things, who can question you on some things, who can encourage you and challenge you in the direction that you're walking. Walk with someone who's walking with Jesus. You know, I think young people in our youth group, I know, I know our student ministry encourages that, to walk with people who are, walk with other students who are following Jesus. Walk on that path. Because you've got a lot of other people probably in your life that are not encouraging you in the direction you're walking. You need someone who's walking in that same direction. Every January we talk about foundations of our faith. And by that, we mean some of the basic practices of what it is to follow Jesus. We talk about scripture, we talk about prayer, we talk about generosity, community, and service, and ministry. And if you've been with us for the last 15 years, or less than that, you will know every January, Pastor Rick is going to get up, and you, you can name my sermons. You can name the topics. And you might have said, maybe this will be the year he's going to talk about something different. It's not going to be the year I'm going to talk about. Not because I can't come up with other things to talk about. We've got 11 months of the year that we'll talk about other things. But because one of our jobs as a church and one of my jobs as a pastor is to see you grow in your walk with the Lord. And so the the most important things I think you can do to grow with Jesus are to get in the scriptures, be in prayer, cultivate a heart of generosity, be in community with other Christians and to serve and to minister inside and outside the church. They're not the only things you can do. There's lots of other spiritual disciplines. There's lots of other things. But you, those like four or five things, if you will do those in your life, if you will make them regular practices, if you will make them disciplines in your life, then at the end of 22, you will be closer to God than you are at the beginning of 2022 that you will begin to know God more, to know his plan for you more, to know what he wants and desires for you in a greater way. So we're always going to talk about that. I try and do it in a little different way every year to help you understand them in a little different way, and we're going to do that this year. This year, I want to talk about doing all those things, but doing them together. Not doing them on your own, but practicing them together as a community. And so, whoever said, I think it was Kelly, reading scripture together, we're going to talk about that this morning. What are the benefits of that? So, we're going to use these verses as our guiding verses for the next few weeks from Romans chapter 15. Uh, And it says this, in Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, Paul writes this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you, which is you plural, grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together 
you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 5 and 6. That together, that you would, you would live in such harmony, that you would be encouraged and have endurance, that together with one voice you may glorify God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't do together alone. Right? I can't do together alone. I have to be with other people if I'm going to fulfill this verse. I have to do things and be following Christ with other people if I'm going to do this verse. So these are our verses for the next few weeks. We're going to talk about how to and the importance of and the benefit of doing some of these things together and not just on our own. And this morning we're going to talk about scripture and just before verses 5 and 6 comes verse 4, not surprising. And verse 4 in chapter 15 says this. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. That the scriptures would give you and would give us hope, would help us to endure, would encourage us, and give us hope. So we are always, you're always going to hear at Mount Hope, get in the scriptures, read the Bible. The sermons will come from the Bible. We're going to talk about you, how the importance of you reading your Bible, because we believe what the scriptures say, that this is what gives you hope. This is what gives you endurance. This is what gives you encouragement. This is how you know God, to get into the scriptures. And some of you are saying, I've tried. I can think back to 2021, and I started my Bible plan, and I didn't make it. In 2020, I started it, and I didn't make it. And you've tried maybe reading sections of Scripture, reading the entire Scripture, and maybe haven't made it through. I want to submit maybe this morning that maybe we're ignoring one of the greatest tools we have, which is reading Scripture together. And so just this one principle for you this morning, and that's this. It's good to read the Bible on our own. It's better together. It's better together. And that might sound strange to us, but it would not have sounded strange to most of human history. In fact, to most of human history, what we do would be strange. Because when you think about most of human history, in the thousands of years, however, you know, you're going back to written human history, what would mostly be strange is the fact that you and I can sit with our own personal copy of the Bible by ourselves in our home with no one else around and read it and study it. Because for most of human history, that was not possible. I mean, we're just talking the last few hundred years. I mean, and really that most of us have it, even less than that, right? The fact that you can have a paper copy or an electronic copy and you can have that of your own, most people, whether it's because of illiteracy, whether it's because of lack of printing, whether it's because of uh, the cost of printing, that you didn't have a copy of God's word in your language, in your home, for you to have. And there are still parts of the world where this is the case. That's why we, part of our global outreach partners, we support are translating the Bible into languages that it does not currently exist. Because not everyone has that. But you and I have it, and what a gift. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, like a paper Bible, and you want one, then there's one under your chair. You can take that home and consider that your gift to, from us, and that can be yours. Because we want everybody to have a copy of God's Word of your own. But this is what 
we have. It's a complete gift. It's a complete unique time that we live in. It's great that you can go home, that you can in the morning get up, and you can open up this book, and you can read God's inspired word for you. But this morning, I want to ask you this question, because as much of a blessing that is, my question for you this morning is this, but what have we lost? What have we lost by making Bible reading often a completely personal and individual activity and exercise? Have you thought about that? Because when the church at Corinth got Paul's letter, which is in your New Testament, they weren't each individually like you just got Christmas cards addressed a letter to the people at Corinth and everyone went home and read it themselves in their, in their own bedroom and just read, oh, what does Paul have to say to me? That, that's not what happened. The church at Corinth got one letter from the Apostle Paul. They brought it into the gathering of the believers and somebody read it and they heard it and they talked about it and they thought about it and they prayed about it and they got the meaning of it together. And all I'm asking this morning is when we don't do that, what have we lost? What have we lost when we make scripture reading only an individual thing and we don't do it with others? I think there's a great benefit to reading scripture together. I do this every week. Every week, we uh, meet with our sermon planning team, our communication preaching team here at Mount Hope every Tuesday morning from 9 to 11. We get together, uh, our preaching team, as well as we have another pastor from a church in Malden. Sometimes we'll have other churches and pastors that'll j join us for the meeting. And we'll get together and we'll talk about what is the passage we're preaching this week? What is the passage we're preaching next week and the week after? And we'll read it and then we'll talk about it together. And we will ask each other questions because we'll say, oh, this is what, you know, I think, uh, I think I'm going to be preaching this week. And sometimes, mostly gently, but sometimes maybe not gently, someone's going to ask, is that what that passage is really saying? Or are you sure you have the right meaning of that text? Because sometimes, I'll be honest, one of us, maybe me, I'll come in and I'll be like, I got this great story for this text. And I, I got this great illustration and I just want, I know this is going to go over great. And someone might say, that is a great story. But does it really go with the meaning of this text? Is it really saying what God wants to say? Because as a preacher, I don't want to say anything God doesn't say. And I don't want to not say anything that God is saying. And oftentimes what helps me is having other people read it who might see something that I don't see and point out something that I might miss. This is the importance of reading the Bible together. Because the bottom line is this. This word is the infallible word of God, inspired by God. My interpretations of it are not infallible. My interpretations of this are very fallible. And I miss things. And I see things maybe that aren't there, that I want to be there. But when I read it together with someone, I say, well, do you see that that's what it's saying? What it, and we look and we interpret it and we read it together. What, are the, what is God saying in this passage? It's kind of like if you're following a recipe. 
and you're, you're cooking something. Maybe you're making barbecue-sauced pork ribs. Now, this is unfair. I was talking about donuts, and now I'm talking about barbecue ribs. I'll let you out for lunch soon. But maybe you're making barbecue-sauced pork ribs, as we have made many times in our house. And Wendy makes them. They're great. They're crock-pot. They go in there. They cook all day. You come home. You got these barbecue ribs. But the first couple times that we made them, and I did ask for Wendy's permission to share this story before I share it. The first couple times we made them, uh, they were uh, very spicy. Like, I like spicy, but they were very spicy. Almost inedible, hot, spicy. But you're going to eat them, right? I mean, they're barbecue ribs. Wendy made them. I'm eating them. The first couple times we made them, they were, uh, they were extremely hot. And then eventually she made them, and I'm like, whoa, these taste different. They're, they're good, but they're, they're not quite as spicy as they have been in the past. And she said, yeah, I noticed something in the recipe, and you might not be able to see it. About six lines down, one of the ingredients is one canned chipotle chili pepper. Now, one canned chipotle chili pepper is very different than one can of Chipotle chili peppers. <laughs> and if you put one can of Chipotle chili peppers in a crock pot, you are getting a very spicy recipe of ribs, which I ate, which were good, which were great. But they were much better with one canned Chipotle pepper. Now, I'm not saying if we both read this recipe, we might still not have made the same mistake. But the chances of both of us reading it wrong are less than one of us reading it wrong. And all I'm saying is that maybe when we come to the scriptures that are the infallible recipe of God, that if we read it together, maybe you'll see something I don't see. Or maybe you'll get something that I don't get because maybe you've walked through life in different experiences and you have an understanding of God's word and you've gained and grown in your understanding and you're going to see something that I might miss. And because of this, we should read scripture together. Let me share with you a scripture from the book of Acts about a man named Apollos. And Apollos was, uh, became a great preacher in the church, but actually at one time he had a lack of understanding of what it was to follow God. And in Acts, uh, it says this about Apollos. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man. And then listen to this, competent in the scriptures. He was competent in the scriptures. Then it goes on. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila, now Priscilla and Aquila were uh, a husband and wife who were discipled by the apostle Paul, who, who followed Jesus. They were tent makers. They weren't... Um, career missionaries or evangelists. Um, they were, you know, but they had grown in their understanding of the scriptures. They heard Apollos preaching and they said, wow, he's competent in the scriptures, but he doesn't, there's, he's missing something about Jesus. He doesn't get it all about what it is to follow Jesus. 
Priscilla and Aquila, probably my favorite married couple in all of scripture, if you follow their story. I love the, the life that they live. Heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. They read the scriptures with him. They explained it to him. And then it goes on. It says, he began, and when he wished, did I miss one? Yeah. And when he wished to cross Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So here's Apollos who was competent in the scriptures. He had knowledge and information, but it wasn't complete. And then Priscilla and Aquila, this married couple, pull him aside and say, hey, there's some things you're missing about Jesus there's some things you're missing about what the gospel is. They teach him, and then he goes on and continues to teach and preach from the scriptures. But it happened in community. It happened from other people teaching him about the word of God. And so I want to do a couple of things. I think there are three ways to read the Bible together. I'm together. I'm telling you, don't read the Bible alone. One way to read the Bible together is what we do on a Sunday morning. We read the scriptures, someone up here opens up the scriptures and explains it and applies it, and so we, we read and engage the scriptures together. But another way to read the Bible together is by you guys getting together with each other, by you getting together with someone else who's reading the Bible. Now, that doesn't always mean you're sitting at a table and reading it out loud together at the same time. What that could mean is you have agreed for a certain time to do maybe a Bible reading plan. Maybe you say, hey, I want to read through the book of Matthew. Would you read through it with me? And then let's get together once a week and talk about it. Maybe we're reading two or three chapters at a time. And then let's get together and say, what does God say to you in this chapter? What, you know, what, what did you get out of these first couple of What did you see? What did you? And you talk about it together. There's also some great electronic ways and technological ways to do it. If you don't have the Bible app, I'd encourage you to download the Bible app, and maybe you only use the Bible app to read the Bible, but one of the best things about the Bible app, it has Bible reading programs that you can easily invite someone else to be a part of with you. And there are all kinds of different ones, and you can invite someone, hey, we're going to read through Romans together, and you invite someone else. And so this past year, Wendy and I were reading the New Testament uh, through together, and we were on the Bible app, which is like we're in the same house, like on other sides of the house, and we're reading it on our phones. But then, like you read it, so you read the passage for the day, and then the next, you click the next arrow, and then it's talk about it. And then Wendy might type in a question, or I might type, oh, hey, what did you think about this part? And what did you think about that part? And we, you can interact with each other while you're reading the scripture. And the advantage is that you're not always reading the same time of the day as the other person. You're not always reading in the same place, but someone might read in the morning, someone might read at night, but you read it and you type something in the talk back part and say, hey, I, saw, I never saw this before. Did you know, what do you think Jesus meant by this? What and then you interact and you're reading it together. And there's benefits to that. And I want you to see some of the benefits. So we're going to do something that I've never done on a Sunday morning uh, before. We are going to practice reading the Bible together. 
We're going to do a little exercise. It's a little different, but I think it's going to be worth our time. So the ushers have some papers that they are going to hand out to you. And I am going to ask us to do a reading the Bible together exercise in church right now because I don't think that there's maybe a better way to spend our time than reading scripture and thinking about it together. So hand out the one that's double-sided, guys. Uh, There's one that's double-sided. Hand out the one that's double-sided, and you'll get a piece of paper from the ushers and a pen. If you need a pen, lift your hand, and they'll bring you a pen as well. I'm getting these guys, keeping these guys on their toes. And you will get a piece of paper and a pen. And on one side, so if you're at home, I'll give you some instructions. You're online. You want to get... Uh, The scripture we're going to be looking at is Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. So if you're online, follow on us, turn in your Bible, Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're looking at verses 1 through 12. Because here's the thing, if if I'm going to talk about reading the Bible together, what I'm not going to do is just stand up here and talk to you about my reading of the Bible. We're going to do it together. We're going to take some time to do that now. So I've talked to you in the past, if you've been at Mount Hope, about SOAP. One of the easy ways to learn from the Bible and to read the Bible is to use the acronym SOAP, S-O-A-P. And SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And this is an easy way to learn the scriptures, just to read a passage of scripture and to walk through the soap. You know, if you want to stay spiritually clean, use soap or all kinds of things. We could talk about that. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you a few minutes. On one side of that paper is Nehemiah chapter 8, 1 through 12. And there is a reason I chose this passage of scripture. The reason is because this passage of scripture talks specifically about the benefits of reading and hearing scripture together. You'll see that as you read it. Let me give you the setting. Nehemiah is a, is a, a man in scripture who was used by God to go back to the city of Jerusalem to bring God's people back after an exile and to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And after he had rebuilt the walls, finish that up in chapter 7, uh, they decide, well, we need to rebuild the spiritual life of the people of Jerusalem. And so that's what you have in chapter 8 going on. That's exactly what's happening. Nehemiah calls Ezra, who's a priest, and he asks him to read the book of the law or the word of God to the people. And that's what's happening in Nehemiah chapter 8. They're rebuilding the spiritual aspect of people. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to read the past of scripture on your own and then complete the first box, which is observations. Now, observations, let me just give you one tip. Observations are not interpretations. Observations are not applications. Observation is strictly that. What do you see in the text? What do you observe? Who's there? What are they doing? What's happening? Just make some observations on the text. Uh, And so this is one of the ways that, sorry. And then I'm going to ask you to give me some of those, okay? So take a couple minutes and do that.
All right, I'm sure you could come up with some more, but let's get a couple out. Let's, here's the interactive part I talked to you about, all right? What are some of the observations? Give me an, someone give me an observation you made about this text. All right, both men and women gathered together, okay? As one, okay? What was that? The book of the law, what? The book is the law of God, okay? What's that? All the people. Only one book. What was that? Their ears were attentive. They could understand. All day and night. We should try that sometime. We will definitely have donuts if we do that. They stood and listened. Okay. What else did you observe? What was that? They opened the book in the sight of all people. I'm going to put that up here. Okay. He engaged worship. Yep. They helped the people understand the law. the first day of the seventh month. What was that? People wept as they understood. You guys are talking faster than I can write. The only thing we're going to observe is my bad penmanship. What was that? Gathered as one man. I think I have that here. Yep. Oh, what does it mean? You want to know what that means? That's a good question. I'm not answering questions right now, but that's a good question. <laughs> no, that's good. Actually, questions are good. Observation quite. What was else from over here? The day was holy. Okay. What else? They know who to go to. Okay. What do you mean by that? Ah, okay. So they went to Ezra and the Levites too, right? The Levites what? Calmed the people. It took place at the Watergate. Yeah, what does that mean? Right? Is there any significance to that? They understood the words. Right? Yeah, that verse 8 is... Um, that's an important one. In fact, that's one of the ones... The verse we have hanging in our, when we do our preaching planning meetings, it's an important verse. They read from the book from the law of God clearly and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. That's what I take as my job as a, as a preacher, to, understand, to, to give the sense so people will understand it clearly. These are great observations. I know there's more, but you know, my question is, who had every one of these observations written down on their paper? None of us, Right? 
But they're all in the text, and as we talk together and as we learn together, you start to see things that maybe you didn't see. Now let's jump to application. I want you to take a minute, and I want you to say, okay, what are the applications from this text? Application means, okay, how does it apply to my life? How did it apply in the situation? What happened? How did it apply in the situation that happened in the text? And then how does it apply to my life and in our church? Take a couple minutes and maybe write one or two applications from this text. How do you apply Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 1 through 12 to your life? What is God saying to you from it? All right, I know you can write more, but let's just take a minute and just write, what are, what are some applications that you saw from the text? Who's got one? What's that? Set a time, so there, you can make sure there's a set time to pray, okay. Go and listen to someone reading and explaining God's word. Okay. Okay. There's um, there is something in there about not weeping, but rejoicing at the reading of the word. And even at conviction, right? What else? What was that? Reading the scriptures together. Can I just say worship with your body as well? 
There's a physical act to worship, right? Yep. Anything else? Hearing should affect the way that we live. And then someone over here said something. What was that? Ah, there's a generosity in here, isn't there? Yeah. There's a generosity in here. Yes. Especially in worship. Yeah. Yeah, there's a humility that you approach the Word of God with, right? And again, that goes, I think that's to us, you know, our, the Word of God's infallible, our interpretations are not, we approach it with humility. You know, there's, there's all kinds of applications that we make from this, and I think, you know, these are all great, some of these uh, applications are great and they could probably be teased out a little bit more but what you'd want to be careful about is when you do it in community is to be careful that you don't start making applications that aren't made from the text and when you do it in community I think there brings a natural boundary to be careful about that so if one of us said well I think the application is only a Levite can read God's word and I say well is that what this text is really saying or is this just what happened in this text Sometimes I can make an application. I can make something a, a principle for everyone everywhere. That, but when I'm sitting with someone else, they might say, I, I don't know if that's, let's look at that. How do we interpret scripture? How do we read it? Is this the main idea? Is this what the scripture is actually saying? But if I'm sitting there by myself uh, looking at it, I might miss or I might misinterpret or the technical theological uh, word for it is eisegesis. So, you want to do exegesis on a text, which is I want to get out of it what it's saying. I want to get out of it what the text and what the word of God is saying to me. What I don't want to do is called eisegesis, which is I don't want to read into the text what I want it to say. You know, I want this text to say my life is going to be perfect and easy and nothing's ever going to be wrong. And I say, well, is that what the text says? Well, no, but I want it to say that. When I'm reading it with someone, they can say, well, that's not really what that passage says about God. That's not really, is it really what that passage says? And so I think reading the word of God together is critical uh, and, and is really important. You know, one of the questions we got in the Peter series when we were doing the question and answers and people were texting in questions, one of the questions we got, and I got it a couple different times for a couple different people, is how do you keep from people misusing scripture towards things that are ungodly, like just going off the rails and trying to justify it with scripture. Um, you know, I mean, one of the classic examples is that there were times where people were trying to justify slavery by using scripture. And how do you keep from that happening? And I, I think one of the best ways to keep from that happening is you interpret scripture in community. You listen to other people. You look at the text together and people that may not always have the same interpretive lens as you, but agree on the interpretation principles of scripture, that this is God's word, that, you know, I'm not going to go into a class on that right now, but there are interpretation principles. God's word can never mean what it never meant. It has to go you know, with the original meaning and then take it to what it means to us. But someone who agrees on the interpretive principles 
And then we look at it together and we say, well, is that really what this is saying? And then you go to good resources, uh, another, you know, go to commentaries and things that are helpful. Those are other voices. And so you read the scriptures with other people together. And I think this is important. So my question for you as our worship team comes back and we close out the service, my question is, how are you going to do this in 2022? How can you read scripture together? I'll ask the ushers if you want to pass out that second sheet of paper, that would be great. Um, you should have one more sheet of paper you guys could pass out. And how are you going to read the scriptures together in 2022? How could you do this with someone? I mean, you could use the Bible app. You could invite someone with that. Maybe there's someone in your life. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a friend. And you say, you know what? I've wanted to read through Romans. I've wanted to read through the Gospels. I've wanted to read through the Psalms. You know, would you read them with me? Let's say we're going to take the first three months of the year, January, February, March. We'll read. How much do you want to read? How much do I? You know, make it so it's doable. We're going to read four chapters a week. Then we're going to talk about it. But how can you read scripture together with someone? Because I think when we don't, we're neglecting one of the great gifts and resources that God has given to us. And I think we're missing out on something that God has given to us as a great resource. So don't read scripture alone. Don't read scripture alone. Uh, the other app I'll, I'll encourage you to download is called the Bible Project app. Download the Bible Project app. I really like this one. They got a lot of what the Bible Project app has is how to read scripture, how to interpret scripture. It looks at the different genres of scripture, narrative, historical, prophetic, poetry, apocalyptic. And it says, okay, how do you read Psalms different than you might read Jeremiah? It has all, it, and they have videos on the interpretive principles on that. And, um, so I'd encourage you, download the Bible Project app. Um, these are resources that are hugely helpful. And I love the Bible Project videos at the beginning of every book that they give. Uh, that's really helpful. Uh, in fact, I watched the Nehemiah one this morning just to remind myself of what's going on in Nehemiah. Eight-minute video on the book of Nehemiah, everything that's going on. Um, so I encourage you to... Um, to download that app uh, is really helpful. This is what, this is what I'll close with. Uh, just before the team sings Psalm 84, they're going to sing a psalm as we close, and we'll close the service with singing scripture. But just before that, I said there's three ways to not read scripture alone. One, you do it with the church. That's what we do on Sunday morning. We read a scripture Someone talks about it. We look at it together. It's not always interactive. It's, it's usually more of a monologue than a dialogue, but that's just the nature of our group dynamics. Two, you can read it together with someone like we just did. You can read a scripture and then talk about it with someone, which I encourage you to do. Three, don't read scripture alone. You read with the Holy Spirit. You never read scripture alone. You always read with God's Holy Spirit leading and directing you. So that's what I thought I want to close this service with, but start 2022 with as a year, just reading a passage of scripture, some words of Jesus for you, and just seeing if the Holy Spirit maybe highlights a word or a line for you in this passage. So this is another way that we, you know, sometimes as in our scripture reading team and our sermon planning team will do, we'll just read the passage several times and just see what the Lord highlights what the Lord is, is maybe wanting us to hear. 
And if you've never had someone read scripture to you and you just listen, I think it's a powerful thing. So I want to read this passage from Luke chapter 12, and maybe God gives you a word for today. Maybe there's a phrase in here that's highlighted that God wants you to take with you this week. But maybe there's something God says, this is for 2022 for you. You just need to remember this the whole year. You just need to hang on to this word for this year. Maybe there's something God has for you. So I'm going to read it once pretty quickly, and then I'm going to read it a second time slower, and just see if the Holy Spirit highlights a word for you. And he said to his disciples, this is Jesus, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into an oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow thrown into the oven how much more will he clothe you O you of little faith and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink nor be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows that you need them instead seek his kingdom And these things will be added to you. Lord, I thank you that when we read your word, we never read it alone. 
that your Holy Spirit is with us. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us. Lord, what's the word you have from your word for us this year? Maybe we just need to hear that word about not being anxious, about not worrying, about trusting you, about seeking your kingdom. Lord, speak to us from your word. And then, Lord, help us, Lord, not to walk this walk in isolation, but to walk with you and with others, to follow you with others. Lord, we've come out of a couple years that have just separated us and separated us and separated us. Some of us have even forgot how to engage in relationship with one another. Lord, teach us that we are one family. Teach us how to love you, to walk together in this morning, how to read scripture together, that we might know you more. For you have given us each other as a gift. In Jesus' name, amen.